Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. everyone. Welcome back. Um, today I'm joined by Kari Eckert. Um, in 2018, Kari lost her son to suicide. He was a sophomore in high school. He was 15 years old. Um, and since then, she and her husband have started a foundation to raise awareness about the epidemic of teen suicide in Colorado. Um, I've asked her to join me today to speak not only about her journey with grief, but also about the work she's doing with her foundation called Robbie's Hope. So Kari, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I guess we can just start with wherever you want to, wherever you want to begin. Sure. So on October 17th, 2018, my husband and I were at parent-teacher conferences and we came home to find our 15-year-old son dead. That's really hard. I've never said it that way. Um, Robbie took his own life and died by suicide. And we were um, completely in shock because Robbie had never indicated that he was struggling with anything. He was Mm. uh, a happy, vibrant, healthy, outgoing, active athlete. It changed our life forever. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't even, I like don't have a follow-up. I know. Statement or question of any kind. Because it's just like unimaginable. It is. It's a parent's worst nightmare. In every way. Yeah. And we um, very quickly learned about what an epidemic this is in our state and in our nation. In the last 10 years, rates for Robbie's age group are up about 40%. And that's... Applies to Colorado and other states as well. Wow. Our teens are in a crisis. Did you know about those statistics prior to losing Robbie? No, not at all. I don't think, I think so few parents do. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, I think teens know that other teens are taking their lives, but parents don't, which. How, how do you mean? Like, why do you, why do you say that? Well, so for every completed suicide, there's 25 to 30 attempts. And with rates up 40%, some of our larger schools, kids know that other kids are attempting. So the Colorado Healthy Kids Survey of 2017, that's the last time the survey results are are out, like 17% of middle school and high school students have thought about suicide Mm -hmm. and 7% have made an attempt. And And they're coming to school and like talking about this? I mean, of course, we could never know to be sure, but I just, There's, I'm just astonished. They, I, they know. The kids are under a lot yeah. of stress and a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of unhealthy yeah. everywhere, all age groups. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so you have another, you have a daughter. Yes. Was she, and was she living in Colorado? No, she t- goes to school in Boston. She's okay. in college. She's a sophomore. Um, she was in just as much shock as, as Robbie's friends. We all were as 
Jason's or as Robbie's parents, no one expected this. Like this was, uh, if it can happen to Robbie, wow. Yeah. We better be watching other kids because it just was completely uncharacteristic. As Elizabeth, our daughter, was uh, just so upset. Yeah, of course. It's so interesting. I mean, my only experience with suicide is obviously a close experience with suicide is, is my father. And I'm always so surprised when people say they had no idea or they just, it took them completely by surprise. I, I think finding out that you lost anyone to suicide is shocking and horrifying, but like there was a piece of me that wasn't at all surprised. Well, and my mom, I mean, I just, I, I like knew it. Hmm. Um, and so I'm always just, I, I don't even know how I would grapple with understand, like how this could happen. Because to me, it was just like, yeah, I know. I mean, I knew yeah, it. Robbie never showed that he was depressed, that he was anxious. He was a great student. Wow. His, I mean, honestly, at parent-teacher conferences, I drove home so happy. I'd heard great things about Robbie. He was the student that was excelling. Yeah. And he was also the student that other kids knew. He knew the material. Yeah. But they also knew he'd help them. He it it was very uncharacteristic for Happy. And how did his friend like how did his friends react? How did they handle it? How did you uh, initially as a community like his close he had a lot of friends, but his like core group of friends, they were so in shock mm-hmm. and then went to anger, which is a yep. normal stage Follows. of grief. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then like we have to find out what we were what we missed and searched. What did we miss? Like there had to be something. Yeah. And there wasn't. Robbie was not bullied. He wasn't at, as far as we all know, we didn't miss anything. Robbie was hiding what he was dealing with. It, that's can be what depression is. Right. Right, because you don't want to put it on other people. You don't want to feel like a burden. And your mind tells you you can't. Yeah. You can't share it with other people. No one can No one can understand and no one can help me. Mm. And you, when you and I spoke on the phone, you had said that you are, you have a bit of a background in mental health. So tell me a little bit about that. So I was, I have a degree in psychology. Okay. And then I was a funeral director. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So I've buried people who have taken their lives and I've helped people through their journeys of grief. I always, the reason I went into um, mortuary schools, I wanted to be a bereavement counselor. Yeah. And I thought that I could do that in a funeral home setting. Yeah. But then I fell in love with funeral service because it's really gratifying to help people in their time of need. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. How did that play into planning your son's funeral? Um, the funeral part was came quite naturally to me. Yeah. Um, but the grief part, it's, I think I'm still, yes, it's seven months now. Um, it's not helpful. (laughs) I mean, it's such, it's, yeah, such a personal journey and such a difficult, um, day by day still. It's, I think we're past hour by hour. Initially it was hour by hour, but I think now it's day by day, but there's, there's good days and there's like yesterday, the day after Mother's Day. Mm. Mother's Day was okay. Yeah. Yesterday wow. was tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So on, I think it was the last episode and I, I think I've spoken about it before that like, 
it's so interesting when you stop counting the minutes, the hours. It's just, that to me was like the turning point that I noticed. I'm no longer saying like, oh, it's been 15 days. Oh, it's been this many hours. Oh, at this time last week. Oh, at this time three months ago. Like it was, I was, I could have told you like minute by minute what was happening. And and I think that was where my grief shifted, where I was just like, I stopped counting, um, which I think is a natural, just time naturally does that, but it's time moves on. And sometimes I find sometimes myself, like, I can't believe like it's almost Memorial day. Yeah. And, like the season has changed. Yes. Like, the season. Just, yeah. It's, it's very foggy. It's a blur. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it hasn't even been a year. No. Granted, everyone's journey looks so different, but I remember hearing people talk and saying it had been like a couple months after my dad had died and they were saying someone was, I was at like a work event. He was talking about his dad. It was the 10 year anniversary of his dad's death. And I just remember thinking like, I can't imagine being 10 years removed from this loss. I don't ever want, it's, you have this really fickle relationship with time because you want it to, you obviously don't want to be feeling this way for the rest of your life, but you also don't want time to move on because then everything just becomes like this memory. You know what I mean? Does that resonate with you? I mean, it does. Like even I think of, it's hard to think that Robbie would be 16 now. Right. Instead of 15. Right. Because you, you put dates according to the age yes. of your kids. Yes. And it's like, where did I miss a year already? It's only been seven months, but calendar wise, it's, it, yeah, it's, it yeah. just catches you off guard all the time. I know. So you mentioned that, you know, your your background, both educational and professional backgrounds, didn't really prepare you for this, which makes complete sense to me. Um, but has it has it made you alert or aware of certain things in your grief journey? Does that make sense? Or your husband's or your daughter's? I think so. I mean, you. I know, like, the stages of grief. Right. Firsthand. Right. But grief is really complicated. Yes. And grief is really personal. Yes. There's an I in grief. Yeah. yeah. And I just, there's so much of it is normal. Mm-hmm. And you just have to respect that about yourself and about one another. It's very difficult to watch your child grieve and to watch your spouse grieve. Yeah. And you'd be trying to take care of yourself as well. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I thought about that with my mom because she lost her spouse. So then she had to take care of like her two kids who needed her, but she also had to take care of herself. I always say to my mom, you know, we lost two different people. I lost my dad and you lost your partner. And those are two different losses. The other loss that is hard for me is I lost being a mom. You know, yeah. my, my oldest daughter yeah. is... I mean, I'm always going to be Robbie's mom. Right, I, of course. I, I claim that. I hold on to that. I believe that. Yeah. But, like, my daily role... Yeah. Robbie was still... He was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. I was still driving him to school. I was picking him up from practice. I was making sure that we had the food. Um, now my husband and I, are, we're empty nesters. Yeah. That's a really big loss. Absolutely. I, I mean, you, 
articulated it at the beginning that this is every parent's worst nightmare that yeah I I have a hard time with that I've, I've had a hard time with it before having a child and now after having a child I literally can't I can't go there Mm-mm. like it's it's just it's horrible but you had mentioned we and we had talked about this on the phone and prior to starting to record that that there's verbiage people use as it relates to suicide can you tell me a little bit more about that because I'm kind of exploring that as well so the like a lot you hear committed suicide right Robbie didn't commit suicide right Robbie died by suicide yeah committing it is a term or a word that shows a crime right or a sin yeah Robbie died by suicide and um for us and I think this is true for more than just us I Mm -hmm. think it's true if you look at suicide Robbie didn't want to die yeah Robbie wanted his pain to end right those are two very different things Mm. he didn't know how to end his pain like even if you look at the word chose suicide I don't know what other word you use yeah Robbie didn't have a choice in that moment in that moment his mind told him the only thing that I can do is this to end my pain I chose that's yeah I, I I was never really so like attuned to that language because it's you just committed suicide like it's it's what we say it is but then sometimes I'll just go in for it and people say like oh how did you lose your dad or something and I'll just say like he killed himself and they're just like oh my god I'm like yep bye <laughs> like it's just I I want to be as open and honest as I can and I want people to understand like the magnitude of a loss like this it's not it, it's it's so unnatural did it take you a while to use that verbiage yes why do you think i mean i don't know actually that's a lie i do know because it's embarrassing it is. i was embarrassed because before i knew that my dad's death was a suicide there's like a stigma that go, comes along with hearing someone ended his or her own life, right? You think, oh my God, what's the home like? They must have really horrible parents. He must have a horrible marriage with his wife and a strained relationship. Like you just, you think that like, mm, yeah, yikes, that, you know, they, of course they commit. But like, no, it's it's so not like that. It's so, you, you said that, Rob, like no one saw that coming. Mm-hmm. And my dad, suffered from depression his whole life. He had a really, really horrible upbringing. And so it wasn't a surprise to people like me or my mom necessarily, maybe even my sister, but it, it was to the people who like didn't know him because he was a lovely person and sweet and warm and kind and gentle. And like, he was, we always called him Dr. Doolittle. He would like come back home with like a Robin in his car that was like, he thought was injured. I mean, we were just, he was just, that's who he was. And so I never wanted to associate someone like that with suicide. Mm-hmm. And then I was finally like, this can't define him. This won't define him. And suicide doesn't discriminate. No, it does not. And that's a really hard thing for others to accept that haven't experienced it firsthand. Right. Yeah. And 
when you start talking about it and you take the shame away, mental illness and depression, anxiety, doesn't it's care. In a lot of families. Yeah. It's in more families than it's in most. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk openly right. about a lot of these issues and we carry it around yeah. with this darkness instead of saying, yeah. You know, I, I've dealt with that. I've gone through depression. Yeah. Or gone through, or I am, I still struggle of with course, depression. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm willing to say that and I'm willing to do what it takes to reach out to others so that I can help myself. Right. It's, it's like, um, I, I mean, that's how I consider my podcast is also like extremely self-serving for me. The fact that I get to talk about this and process this stuff is so helpful it, to me. It is. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so therapeutic and, and. And then, and then when I speak to people like you or the other guests that I've had, I, it's so insightful. The, the tips, you know, I, I guess I, I would call them tips about how they've handled their grief or that it's encouraging to me to know that people are still going through this. However, X amount of years removed or even seven months removed, like you, it's hard for me because actually with you at the seven month mark, it's, it's like I'm going back to that place oh. for myself and it's just, it's really tough. It's really tough. Yeah. You're not alone. That's, that's when we share it together yeah. and we learn from one another. That's yeah. hard for me to hear that it's hard for you to Oh, it's it. not, I mean. Because I'm like, oh. No, no, no. I, oh my I, gosh. You know, am no. I going to go through that as well? And I'm sure I will. Like, that's part of the learning process. Yeah. You will in, in, in that you're going to start to, you'll reach a point in your grief, however many years down the line it is, where you're going to, someone is going to reach out to you and you're going to have an interaction with someone who lost a child, who lost someone, any loved one to suicide, and it's going to take you back. And I remember thinking that when I would go to group, like group therapy discussions, I guess, about um, suicide or grief. And I remember thinking, like they were like the, the experts. They were like our tour guides, if you will. Just, yeah, they were just, they were so, they are who I am now. And I never thought that I would be that person to someone else. You know what I mean? Oh, I, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I reach out to people who have traveled this road because I'm looking for yeah. wisdom and how to get through this. Absolutely. I mean, you can't do it alone. Yeah. This is a a little bit unrelated, but I also think very related because I think it talks about teenage angst and pain. What goes through your mind when all of these shootings are happening? Not that Robbie was like violent in any way and was, you know, they're obviously so different, but it's, I also see a lot of similarities and I think about that. I draw the comparison as well. I don't feel like I know enough about depression and anxiety to be able to make a, I can make a personal opinion. Yeah. But I feel like I can't go further than that. Yeah. Um, this is personal. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. I think kids, it's sad. I mean, yeah. our kids are, I don't know. Our kids don't have the tools to be able to deal with what society is bringing to them. What do you mean? What society is bringing to them? Well, like you think of like our kids, Columbine happened 20 years ago. Vividly remember. 15 years old. 
he has been in a secured school yeah. his entire life. Wow. Hit kids today, like when they're in a classroom, they know where the safe spot is. Jeez. Oh my As gosh. adults, yeah. we don't look at situations that way. Right. And does that cause anxiety? Mm. Probably. Yeah. And then like a shooter, like that person, we, we don't know why they did right. what they did. What right. are they dealing with? Right. It's, I think it's just complicated. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. Um, but I think in terms of like the grief and the loss of kids, it's, it's just, it's unimaginable to me. And it freaks me out. I was just having the conversation with some um, other parents and they were saying like, I wonder what the teenager's solution to gun violence is. Like, as adults, yeah, we kind of, we think we know what it is. Right. But kids growing up and right. being in secured schools, like, would they have a different response to, is it guns? Is it mental health? What, what is it? Yeah. And we don't ask them. Yeah, it was, oh shoot, I forget where I read this. It was an article somewhere and it was talking about how kids and teenagers feel like adults are failing them, that they are no longer protected in the same way mm. and, and they're not being listened to and their pain is being ignored, um, which is interesting because, well, it, on, as it relates to shootings, I fully agree with that as it relates to moving towards being open and a little more transparent about mental health in this country, I think we're moving in that direction. I think we're more open than when I was a kid. What do you think? So we're directly working with teens. Yeah. With Robbie's Hope. Which can, is, what, can you tell us a little bit about? Yeah. So tell, like, we'll start with... So right your, away, my husband and I, we realized we got to do something. Yeah. There are too many suicides in teens and what's going on. So we started meeting with Robbie's friends and classmates within a few weeks of Robbie's death. Mm -hmm. And about two weeks after Robbie's death, we had 134 youth at a meeting and we started to ask them, what do you guys think the issue is? We want to learn from you. And we just tried to listen and extremely brave. I know you're not like fishing for compliments here, but that is just, I commend you. Continue. But when you give, and we just found, when you give kids the opportunity to speak yeah. about difficult issues, they want to. They yeah. want to be heard. Yeah. And they want to sit together and be real and have tough conversations. Mm. And we don't always ha have environments where that can happen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen at school. Right. It doesn't happen in their personal relationships. Phones are a much bigger part of everybody's communication, yes. everybody's relationships. Yes. And it doesn't always happen um, parent to child. Mm. That relationship has changed somewhat. But when you take, when you sit down with one another and you have conversation and you have tough conversation, yeah, you feel heard yeah, and you come up with solutions. So what did, what, what did they say? We have to be able to be real with one another we are under stress. Mm -hmm. We do deal with anxiety. School's really hard. Yeah. I feel the like the pressure is just, it's exactly. Oh my goodness. Like 
college is now high school Mm -hmm. in both the academic setting and in the sports. Sports are so important. We place so much value. Yeah. Kids are afraid to fail. They're, we don't always let kids just be kids. Yeah. The expectations are so big. Mm-hmm. How are you going to do on that ACT, that SAT? What school are you going to get into? And then what scholarship are you going to get to be able to pay for it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Do you ever think about how social media has played a role in this? Like not as coming as an expert, just coming as the mother of a teenager. Oh, prior to Robbie's death, I mean, I was always... I was still monitoring his social media. Yeah. Yeah. Not because I, I, it's just what we do. Of course. Of course. Even though in a few years he would have been at college. Right. You have to trust your child. And I did trust him. Right. But we kind of were sometimes waiting for our kids to make mistakes instead of trusting them. Yeah. Um, The social media thing is complicated. Yeah. It terrifies. I, I, I think sometimes Thank God I went through middle school before Instagram was a thing or Snapchat or any of this stuff that it's, it's not even that they're doing anything quote inappropriate online, but it's that, you know, people are posting snippets of the best Uh, and the happiest. I just read an article about it and it was like, Instagram has the, my life is perfect filter. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that kids have the ability to, I mean, I struggle with, I'm 30 and I have a hard time when I'm scrolling through Instagram where I'm just like, oh, this girl had a kale smoothie today. Her life is so together, you know, like it's you, go, but then I'm able to sort of shake it off and say like, okay, you know, like think rationally here, but kids really, they like scientifically, I don't think have the capacity to to separate themselves from this false reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I really worry about that. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. And I think the hard part about it is like when you have a teenager and you're the parent to a teenager, like the younger age, there's a lot of, you know, discussion about when do I give my child a phone? Yeah. Do I let them? Phones aren't going away. Right. Social media isn't going away. There's probably something different that they're already using. Mm -hmm. We have to give them the tools to use those things. There's a lot of adults that still need the tools. We don't always need to use Facebook appropriately. And we're judging ourselves against our friends that we think have the perfect life. Have it so together. When we know in reality that isn't. If we sat down together, we would share. Life isn't always that way. Right. Exactly. Did you talk about that with these kids at all? Was that, did that come up even? It does. Yeah. 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 They, (laughs) They know it, yeah, but it's still it's they addictive. Don't, it's hard to it's addictive, yeah. yes, yeah. It's hard to turn off. Mm-hmm. So, what other information were you able to glean from them? Like after, so after you said you had this meeting of one hundred thirty some. So we continue to meet with the kids. Okay. We meet every two weeks. We call ourselves Hope Groups. Okay, and it's, that's right. Can you is that Robbie's Hope? But Hope. Hope, hold on, pain That's what ends. I'm like, okay. The acronym, I picked that out like within 36 hours of Robbie's death, not knowing what wow. it means. And in the mental health world, hope means hold on, pain ends. Wow. As adults, most of us have that perspective. Right. We know that today, if something really awful happens, we probably can get through it. 
and you just talked about like the mental capacity, right? Like teenagers that their brains aren't fully developed. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very conflicting research of what age there's, it's actually being shown that it could be later than because of devices. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's upsetting. Cause it was like 21, right? Yeah, at 21 to 23. Right. Right. That's, oh. that's like old. I mean, that's not, that's significantly older than, you know, what we think. Yeah. And what we expect of one another or of, of kids, they're kids. Like, is... yeah, is a kid. So, tell me a little bit more about the work of Robbie's Hope now. So we're trying to um, create awareness about what an epidemic teen suicide is in our state and in our nation, and then we're trying to give kids um, teen depression and teen anxiety need to be talked about as well, and we need mm-hmm. to allow empower kids, our youth to have difficult conversations yeah, and give them opportunities to change those things. Yeah. I don't even know where it starts though. Like, does it start with the adults? Does it start with school, I guess, is where they spend the most of their time? I mean, I just don't know. We're, we're starting with the teens directly. Yeah. Um, or them. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> well, like, I mean, you give kids the opportunity to, to talk to adults or to each other Yeah, and to be real and they are, they run with it. Yeah. They have, they feel like empowered, they feel heard and they feel like they can come up with solutions. Wow. Have you had any kids or parents of kids in these groups that you've spoken to who've said who have struggled with this, who have considered suicide, have they, like, told you anything about this? Uh, we've had... Yes. Yes, we have. Mm. So it's interesting. Robbie, as a freshman, he helped two kids that we didn't know about. And I was a stay-at-home mom for 12 years. I picked my child up from school every day. I sat down and I was... I mean, we were, out, we were together. He yeah. was not living behind a closed door. Right. Um, Robbie did have a very empathetic personality. Yeah. Um, and he helped two kids on their last year mm. deal with their own suicidal ideation. Mm. And we have had um, multiple individuals come up to us that have heard about us through our work and say, I talked to my child because of what I heard you say. And I, my child is now getting help. And thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, again, this is not a professional opinion at all. This is purely personal on what I hear of my conversations of other people who've lost loved ones to suicide is every time they describe the person, empathy is the first adjective. And it is, my dad felt other people's pain in such a deep way that was touching and sweet that he was, he was, he felt for people and he like just longed to be helpful to anyone ever. But I, I, I think that like that in and of itself is what makes, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just find it interesting that this is like the, always the first adjective Mm -hmm. is that they just, it's like too much. It was just too much. Well, I, I always fall back to like, Robbie was so good at 
taking care of others, but he didn't know how to take care of himself. Yeah. And why is that? Like, he would have done anything for anybody else, and people knew that, and they came to him with their problems, but he didn't know that he could go to Eden. I mean, I would, would have loved that he came to me, yeah. but he could have gone to a stranger. There's resources available to our youth, to all of us if we're struggling, and he was a bright kid. Yeah. And he didn't know that he could do that. His mind didn't allow him to do that. Right. Where my mind continues to go is, is like searching for answers and the why. I'm always interested in the why. And I remember sitting in therapy for many sessions trying to like de decode it, like playing detective. And my therapist was, she'd like sometimes would just let me sit there and and say these things. But she was just like, you're never gonna, you're never gonna know. And it's, you like have to move forward. And I just, I still, I still struggle with that so much. One of my girlfriends and I were actually visiting and she went through a pretty nasty divorce. Mm -hmm. And she said, Kari, as soon as you can give up looking for the why, you're going to be ahead. Yeah. You can look for the why for the rest of your lives. Right. And in suicide, there's no answer to the why. Right. There's no answer. There. I know, which I, I really, really hate, but (laughs) that's a personal problem, but yeah, it's true. And, and I agree with everything your friend said that it, it, it does reach. I also think that a divorce is, especially a, nasty one is very similar to grief like it's grief is a loss of identity you know and so that's a turning point when you're able to well actually you know what I guess it it plays into the five stages of grief the last one is acceptance granted I think you're gonna go back and forth back and forth through like I don't think it's you know you hit the last stage and you're like okay great I'm done that no, was I saw oh it, that like, was rough a, a diagram and it was like all the words and yeah it's like yeah all yeah back and yeah forth. there is no rhyme or reason to it but I do think that you will not you Kari but one reaches a point in the grief experience where you do start to accept it and then you start, you stop asking for answers. And then you revert, you have a day where you revert back. And that's okay. I mean, you're, that's, you're never done grieving. Like, this is going to be deeply rooted in your story. It's a hard part. Right? Yeah. I was 15. You get a lot of life left. Yeah. You lost your dad at a young age. It's, it can be overwhelming when you look at how long. Yeah. Y- yes, I mean, it. He is my dad, and I. Uh, I'm gonna regret saying this possibly down the line. However, I don't. I don't ever want to diminish anyone else's pain when they say. That you know they, I've I've talked about this before where someone would say, "Oh, I lost my grandma. I know what you're going through," and I'm just like. Grandparents, I'm like, everybody dies. Your grandparents are supposed to die. That, But now I've, I'm a few years removed and I'm able to say, okay, like this is the worst loss that they've experienced. Like they're trying to relate to me. I get that. I don't think that's the right thing to say, but I understand what they're trying to say. 
However, I do believe that there is some kind of hierarchy and the loss of a child is something that I really can't. I don't, I don't know where to begin. Um, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. You, you, you it's, yeah, you can't compare your pain and your loss. No. Um, it's all tough. It's all very tough. Yeah. Okay, I want to switch gears a little bit and, and, and go back to Robbie's Hope because I think that the work you're doing is is so vitally important and I'm like, I'm so appreciative. Um, but tell me, so tell me a little bit more about some of the stuff that you guys are working on. So our really our focus is about establishing hope groups. Yeah. Groups of young adults, students, middle schoolers, high schools, giving them safe spaces. Mm-hmm. And that's going to look different in every community. It mm-hmm. could be in a school setting. It can be not in a school setting. It could be a team. Um, we, we're up to six. We hope wow. to be up to way more than six. Um, and we're giving kids, we've got a new website it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and the students helped us create it. Every We're trying to empower the students, the young adults, and everything that we do. It's not us adults. It's right. listening to what they feel the solutions are going to be. We had a hopeful drive in January. It kicked off on Robbie's um, 16th birthday. Uh, we had 150-some teens across the metro area um, asking strangers they were down on the 16th Street Mall. They were standing in front of King Supers. Mm-hmm. Can I have a moment of your time to talk to you about something that's important to me? Yeah. Do you know in our state what an epidemic we have with teen suicide and teen depression? Why? Like, why? I just, how? How is it Colorado? It's more than Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's up across the nation. But right. Colorado is, is higher, which is unfortunate um Robbie's hope as well we've had the opportunity to I was able to testify on a bill Mm. that is going to be signed on Thursday this week wow that has a um screening component in it so it would give um physicians and schools um a screening tool there's no standardized tool in our state to do to do what to screen screen for suicide on August 14th, Robbie was seen by his physician for a sports physical. In our state, you have to have a sports physical to be able to play a high school sport. Okay. But that's, it has no mental health yeah. component well, we, to that screening. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we treat mental health in this country like it's not even a thing. So but that are, aspect doesn't surprise me at all. But yeah. Wow. So that's exciting for, and I feel yeah. really fortunate that oh we God. were able Congratulations. to. Congratulations. That's really cool. It is great. Um, and schools, we've talked about that a little yeah. bit. Um, we can't put this on the schools. We put a lot on our schools. Yeah. But we hope to be able to work with the schools because right. the kids are in the schools. Right. I mean. And it's such a big issue that we need to give the schools the resources to be able to work on mental health and Mm -hmm. kids need to be taught what mental health is kids really aren't there's not a lot of curriculum and education about 
taking care of yourself. Mental health. Yeah. We don't all have mental illness, but we all have mental health. Right. And mental illness is treatable. Yeah. Mental illness is treatable. Yeah. Suicide's preventable. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree with you. But then, ugh. Not no but. Like, yes. And. You hear, I just hear these stories. What was it? A few months ago when, I think it was two survivors of the Parkland school shooting. Oh. And they were both off at college. I think, at least the one story that I heard was a, a young woman and she killed herself in her dorm room. And it's just like, I don't, I, I, yeah. And it's interesting because I'm going to school for this reason to talk to people about these traumas and this, these experiences. And I just, I just have no idea how you talk about this with kids. We keep talking about it. Yeah. There's no one answer. There's no one size fits all. Right. Of course. Yeah. You have to just keep making it okay to talk about. Yeah. One of the messages that we use in Robbie's help, it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. You just have to kind of let that sink in. Yeah. Which is hard. I mean, maybe we don't give kids enough credit for what they're capable of, like, critically thinking. Maybe they do have the answers about... I hope so. I believe they do. Yeah. And I think we just need to give kids... Uh, they need to be aware of what's available to them. Mm-hmm. There are so many. There's good resources available yeah. to them right now. You can text. You can call. Mm-hmm. You can make it anonymous. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, it's different in every state, but there's national lines as well. Yeah. Um, there's more and more stuff that's online available to them. That's the way a lot of kids are, what they're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. And it, it can be effective. Yeah. But if kids just knew and adults this doesn't just apply to kids it's okay to not be okay it's okay to say i need help i need help i can't deal with this on my own yeah that's what we need to empower people to kids yes and and adults i mean it's suicide is rampant in the i think the highest is males young young males it's like 30 to 40-ish. It's very high in that age group. Jeez. I guess that statistic doesn't really surprise me, given we don't really enable or let men in this country show emotion Mm -hmm. or be vulnerable the way that we let women. Veterans have a really high... Uh, Well, that, yeah. So do, like, um, first responders. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. We need to give yeah. all of these categories the tools. The tools are there. Yeah. You don't need to deal alone. You never have to be alone. There is someone that will listen to you that will help you. Yeah. You don't have to be ashamed of your feelings. Mm-hmm. I think that in that messaging in and of itself. I'm like, we can click end on the podcast right there. <laughs> that's, that's all I needed. If it was just that simple. It's yeah. not. It's more complicated, but we have to keep trying. We have to keep moving forward. And we can. I really think, I think there's been a lot of awareness brought to mental health and mental illness. And I think things are ripe. It's changing. And I'm I'm grateful for that because 
my hope is that in the next 20 years, we can do for mental illness what we've done for in the last 20 years for cancer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I have chills again. Yeah, that's... We're so willing and able to talk about it and... Think of what the advancements that have made been made in cancer. Mm-hmm. We can do that for mental illness. We really can if we come together, work together, yeah. and recognize this issue. We can change it. Yeah. Suicide is preventable. Yeah. Mental illness is treatable. Yeah. Uh, I don't even... I'm, I'm so appreciative of... That you, that you have turned your family's tragedy and this heartbreak for you into like devoting yourself to preventing this from happening to another person. It's just, it's so admirable. And I thank you for the thank work you. that you are I, doing. It's, it's, I get <laughs> commented on that a lot. I think it does. It's very similar to being a funeral director. Mm-hmm. Being a funeral director was really, really hard, but you knew you were helping people. Yeah. And this... Uh, walking this path of burying a child sucks. Yeah. But get, helping others and trying to help others, it gives me hope. It, of course. I mean, it's, it fills me up. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give... I want to direct people to this. So Robbie's Hope is the foundation you and your family have started. It. You guys are doing such phenomenal work. Um, check it out, guys. The website is www.robbies-hope.com. No apostrophe in Robbies. It's R-O-B-B-I-E-S-H-O-P-E.com. Kari, thank you so, so much for being here and for talking with me. This is this was really special. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ruby.